some verses there in a few moments. I want to say it is uh, my privilege to be here. And uh, I want to say I appreciate what the church did yesterday for Pastor Boone and his family. What a blessing that was. And uh, what a blessing to be a part of. And uh, I go a lot of places and uh, go to a lot of different churches, really, honestly. Uh, I've been, uh, I, I don't, I can't even, I don't even know how many churches I've been in over the years traveling, and, uh, but I've been in a lot of churches, and uh, 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 a lot of places don't have what you have here this morning, <clears throat> and uh, you ought to be thankful for that, and I know y'all, and uh, there's a lot of church, I was, talk, I was talking to a man yesterday, there's a lot of churches this morning that do not have a pastor. And are struggling to even keep the doors open. Matter of fact, I know one right now. That if God don't do a miracle, they're probably going to shut the doors just in a few days. And uh, they don't have a pastor. They don't have any men in leadership. I mean, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. And I said all that to say the, the, the fact, say that again, what Concord Baptist Church has this morning uh, is there's no price tag upon it. There's no price tag, and I don't know what all you've done for Pastor Moon and his family. I don't know what all you do for him financially. Uh, I don't ask, uh, but, uh, but, but, but whatever it is, not enough. Yeah. Don't, don't get quiet on me, all right? And, uh, but you say, why you say that? Because you cannot invest too much in what God has given you here. And I'm going to say something, and listen, if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but listen, God, don't, God blesses men. And I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking, uh, and I got back to where I was staying last night. I was laying there thinking, and I thought, um, would you have what you have this morning without Brother Bradley Boone? Probably not. Amen. God just put his man here, and you've got behind him. And I thank you for that. And he's poured his life into this church. And into this ministry and what God has done here has been amazing. It really has. And uh, I'm thankful for it. And I know that you've helped them go to Scotland. We're going to Scotland in a few days. And I'm excited about that. Uh, We're going to, uh, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life in Scotland. But uh, we're not going there just to sightsee. We're going there to reach sinners. And uh, that's what it's about. And, uh, and I appreciate what you've done for them there. And uh, again, I don't know all it was, but listen, make sure they don't have a, uh, don't, they don't have a uh, uh, take care of them. Amen. Make that trip easy on them. And uh, I know that they're planning on going to Israel at the end of the year, Lord willing. And uh, I don't know what the church is doing about that, but take care of it. Amen. And uh, I mean, just take care of him, take care of his family, and God will bless you for it. And, uh, and uh, my pastor will be here tonight preaching. And uh, I don't, I'm not bragging on, on ourself. I'm not bragging. I'm bragging on the Lord, all right? My pastor will be preaching here tonight. And uh, when he pulls up, <clears throat> he pull up in a brand new uh, Chevrolet High Country that our church bought him and paid cash for. And we're about half this size. I don't choke on that. But I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. That was in October. And almost every bit of the money that we put out on that is back in the account. You cannot outgive God. Amen. And this is about, we're going to talk about missions in just a moment. And uh, this, is, this is a mission Sunday. 
But I want to tell Concord Baptist Church this morning, that is your number one missionary. Amen. And uh, you take care of God's man, God will take care of you. I've heard a lot of men say this, that if you'll take care of God's man, that God will bankrupt heaven to take care of you. And that sounds real good, but here's the problem. God don't have to bankrupt heaven. Heaven ain't never going bankrupt, friend. Corey Ten Boom said God owns a cattle of a thousand hills, and, and he can sell one of them cattle and take care of me, amen? And he can take care of us today, and I'm thankful for that, amen? And uh, I appreciate, uh, appreciate Brother Boone, amen? He's been a friend to me, but I don't say that because he's my friend. I say that because that's just right biblically. Amen. I would say that if he was a stranger and I didn't know him. I'm just saying that's what the Bible teaches uh, the church to do is take care of God's man. And, uh, and I'm amazed at uh, uh, churches that want to invest in everything else besides their pastor. Amen. And uh, you say, what do you mean? Well, I mean, they'll invest in everything. They'll pour money in everything. Well, the, I mean, listen, I, I used to have a friend of mine that pastored a church, and he didn't even have enough money to put gas in his vehicle to go visit at the hospital. The church wouldn't give him no money. And uh, I used to say, well, they don't preach for money. You're right, they don't preach for money. But they don't go all over the world for free, neither. Amen. Amen. And uh, it takes money to, to make the world go round. Amen. It takes money to keep the lights on here. And uh, we don't like to talk about that, but that's just the truth this morning. And uh, don't die on me, all right? We're going to preach in just a moment, uh, but uh, I'm in the Bible, amen? And uh, you pray for us this morning. Mark chapter number 8, when you find your place, would you stand? And we'll read, we'll pick up our reading in verse number 34, Mark chapter number 8. In verse number 34, really God gave me this thought last night when I was studying and praying about what to do. And Lord, really... <clears throat> put what I said on my heart as I was meditating on these verses and thinking about the direction God would have us to go this morning. Look Mark 8, verse number 34. Very familiar passage. The Bible said Mark 8, 34, and when, and when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose it, uh, shall lose, who, let me read that again. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's sake, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And whatsoever, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me, and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you, God, for the privilege to be in the house of God this morning. I want to thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you, Lord, for what we've already heard in our hearing, God, today. I thank you, Lord, for from the very onset of the service, God, in the Sunday school, and God, even the opening up, and then, God, the singing, the choir, and the youth choir. God, just so wonderful to be in church this morning. 
And I thank you for that privilege. Now, God, I ask you that you would uh, help us as we try to proclaim the truth of the Word of God. Lord, I pray you touch our hearts, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for standing. Mark chapter number 8 in this portion of Scripture that we come to, if you read this whole chapter and understand what is going on, Jesus has just revealed his identity unto his disciples. As a matter of fact, in the previous part of the chapter, he asked in verse number 27, he said, Whom do men say that I am? And Peter gives that great discourse where he said, Some say Elias and others the prophets. And Jesus said, verse 29, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. We know in Matthew's gospel, he said, Thou art the Christ the Son of the living God. So Peter makes this proclamation about Jesus being the, uh, the Messiah. And uh, then Jesus prophesies uh, about, his, uh, uh, about him going to Calvary. And then in verse number 34, he begins to make a statement in verses 34 down through 38. He talks about, listen, let's stay with me for a moment. I'm going to lay a big foundation and set a little house on it, all right? How would you notice in verse number 34, he talks about a pattern for service, Amen. Verse 34, he said, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whosoever is going to serve him and come after him, there's a pattern for us to be an effective disciple of the Lord Jesus. Say, what is it? It is denial. Let him deny himself. And can I just stop and say this, that if we could get that first part down to deny ourselves, amen? Listen, we wouldn't worry about missions. Everything else would be taken care of if we just deny our own self. He talks about denial. He talks about death. He said, take up thy cross and follow me. And cross speaks of death. This speaks of sacrifice. Then he talks about devotion. Follow me. Amen. But we need some people that are devoted in the work of God in this day. And so there's a pattern for service in verse number 34. And then in verse number 35 and 36, notice that there is a paradox on surrender. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, paradox, and it's interesting if you study the Word of God, there's several in the scripture. A paradox is a statement that seems contradictory, but is still true. Look what he said in verse number 35. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Now, now really, that, that don't even make sense. Amen. I mean, that sounds contradictory. He said, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's sake, the same shall save it. And so it is a paradox. It is a, and he's speaking about sacrifice. What is he saying? He's simply saying anything that we give to the Lord uh, from our possessions uh, uh, involves sacrifice. Amen. If the things that we try to hang on to, that we try to keep, and we try to uh, maybe uh, uh, keep to ourselves, uh, we're going to lose them. Amen. 
I mean, you can live your life for yourself, but you realize no matter what you do, no matter how much pleasure that you think this world can give you or how many possessions you can attain in this world, one of these days, all of that's going to be over with and you will lose that, amen? But if you'll give your life to the Lord Jesus and you'll give him everything, listen, you'll lose your life. You'll give him all of your possessions and all of your commitment. Listen, that will be, will matter in eternity. Amen. We know this. Listen, I, I think we do this morning that there's nothing in this world uh, how really that, that, that society focuses on that's going to matter in eternity. Amen. It don't matter how big our buildings are. It don't matter how much money we have in the bank account. It don't matter how nice our vehicles are in the parking lot. It don't matter how big our homes are. Listen, none of that will matter in eternity, friend. All that matters is what we do for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So that that we save, we're going to lose. But that that we lose or we give away, we will save. Amen. How's that happen? Thank God we're building up treasures in another world. Amen. That's what, listen, that should be our focus this morning is laying up treasures, not for this world, not for this life, but in another world. Amen. So listen, there's a paradox on surrender. But I want you to know some verse 36 and 37. I, I, this is what I want to get to this morning. Jesus talks about the price of the soul. Look what he said in verse 36. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Verse 37. And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus asked two questions in verse 36 and 37. And he's, he's, he's making a statement by asking a question. Jesus was a master at that. If you study his ministry, he was a master at making statements by asking a question. Amen. He said, how do you do that? Well, listen, my wife does that a lot. Amen. I mean, I, listen, I, I may come out and get ready to go to church. She say, are you going to wear that? <laughs> Amen. And so what does she say? She don't have to. I know what she's thinking. Amen. And so, but, but Jesus here is making a statement by asking a question. And what is the statement? Here it is that there's no value that you can place on the soul. Yeah. Amen. I was thinking about this last night. Listen, you know, we place value on everything. I, I, I searched last night on the internet net this. I just simply typed in this. What is the most expensive things in the world? And they were all about possessions and, and things that people owned and, and uh, the value of them. And I, I read about some extravagant things in this world. But can I tell you the most valuable thing? It's not, listen, it's not some building. It's not the Taj Mahal. It's not, uh, listen, it's not some uh, whatever. But the most valuable thing in this world is the soul of an individual. Amen. Jesus said in verse 35, he said, what shall it profit a man if he give the whole world? Or excuse me, verse 36, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? I mean, if a man could obtain the whole world, 
Do you know there's nobody ever been able to do that? There's people that have attempted to gain the whole world. There's people that have attempted to gain wealth. And there's people this morning that are considered the richest people in the world. But guess what? They don't own the whole world. They don't control the whole world. Nobody has ever gained the whole world. But the question is posed, what if you could gain the whole world and lose your soul? What profit would that be? Because, listen, none of that is going to matter in eternity. Amen. With all that mind this morning, I want to preach on this thought. I want to preach on what is a soul worth? What is the value that we place on a soul? This is what we know this morning that a soul shall live forever. Amen. You remember when God made man out of the dust of the ground and formed, formed him out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils a breath of life. Man became a living soul. And from that moment on, listen, every man, woman, and boy and girl that's born into this world is born with a soul. Amen. And guess what? You you understand this. We are not a body that possesses a soul, but we're a soul that possesses a body. Amen. When, When we look at one another, that's not who we really are, but who you and I really are is our soul. Amen. So what is the value of that soul? It's going to live forever somewhere. And the Bible teaches this, that there's only two destinations for the soul. It's either heaven or hell. Amen. Now we know that. So what is the value, value of a never dying soul? What is a soul worth? If we could put a price tag on a soul, if somehow we could tally, tally up enough money. I've done a search on that last night. Listen, how much is a soul worth? Do you know that there was some uh, scientist out there that tried to uh, put a value on a human soul? Amen. I think it's something like four million dollars or something like that. I mean, I'm gonna tell you something. You can give somebody four million dollars and they still die and go to hell. And the and the money never profited them anything. And listen, you again, listen. There's no there's no value in this world that you could place on a soul. So what is a soul worth? Well, I, I thought this morning. Listen, I thought about this. What is a soul worth in hell? Amen. Well, let's ask, let's ask the rich man what he would say about it. You know, in Luke chapter number 16, the Bible said there's a certain rich man clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a beggar named Lazarus who laid his gate full of swords, desiring to be fed the crumbs that fell on the rich man's table. And more of those came and licked his swords and it came to pass that the beggar died and was, car- and it was buried. And, the rich, and, and Lazarus died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man, that's it, that's it. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes been in torment and cried and said Father Abraham have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. Amen. Here's a man that lived the Bible said he fared sumptuously every day. Here's a man that had everything that lives in life had to have. The Bible said he was clothed in purple 
and fine linen. If you study that, listen, the purple and the fine linen, it was a garment of royalty. It was a garment of wealth. Here was a man that was a royal man. He had a high position. He had a lot of possessions. And the Bible said he fared sumptuously every day. In other words, he lived it up. Amen. He lived life to the fullest. He partied every day. He had the best time that this world had to offer. And he made all the money that he could ever spend in his life. But when he died, friend, he lifted his eyes in a devil's hell. And all of that money and all of that good time and everything that he had gained was useless when he was in hell. Amen. It's, it's interesting. When we read Luke 16, the Bible said he lifted his eyes in hell and he cried, said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that it may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. You know, there's some things that he never even mentioned. He never mentioned anything about his finances. Wow. That's true. Amen. He didn't say, how much money do I have left? He didn't look at, listen, he didn't look at Abraham and said, I'll give you all the money in the world if you'll get me out of here. He didn't say, he didn't mention anything about finances. He didn't mention anything about his friends. Amen. He didn't mention anything about his flesh. Oh, he, and what I mean by that, I'm talking about living it up and having a good time. Why? Because none of that was worth anything to him when he was in hell. Amen. All he had, listen, all he wanted was a little relief. All he wanted was just somebody to dip the finger in water and cool his tongue. Amen. You know the account of the scripture and how he said, nay, he said, he said there's a great gulf fix. Abraham said, there's a great gulf fix. He said, we can't come to you and you can't come to us. And the rich man said, he said, I've got five brethren. He said, send him unto them that he may testify lest they also come into this place of torment. He didn't say, I've got five brethren that I've shared my wealth with. He didn't say, I've got, you see, none of that mattered. I tell you, the only thing that mattered was that somebody would tell those people, tell his brethren not to come to that awful place. If we could ask the rich man how much a soul is worth, he would say, there's no price tag that you could put on a soul. Hey, listen, the value is, value is so high that it, you can't even imagine. Amen. I thought about this. What's a soul worth in hell? Let's ask Jesus. Look what the Bible said in Mark chapter number nine. Mark chapter, no, stay with me this morning. Mark chapter number nine. Mark chapter number nine. And then the last, Mark nine and verse number, Mark nine and verse number 43. He said, and if the hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into, into life maimed having two hands to go into hell in the fire that never shall be quenched. You know what the Lord's saying? Your hands are, cannot even put a price on the soul. In other words, you got a hand that's a stopping you, that's offending you. Get rid of it. Because it's not worth going to hell over. He goes on and talks about it. The foot, foot offend thee, cut it off. Your hand, your foot, your eye. There's nothing worth going to hell over. Amen. 
Jesus placed a high priority on the soul and he warned people about an awful place called hell because he knew it was an eternal place of judgment and damnation. Amen. So what is a soul worth in hell? I thought about this. What is a soul worth in heaven? (laughs) Well, let's ask the Father. (laughs) If we could somehow, listen, ask God the Father this morning, how much is a soul worth to you? You know what he would say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. He would say, but God commended his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He already told us how much a soul was worth to him when he sent his Son into this world. How to die for sinners. Amen. Amen. John 3.16, man, I think about, every time I think of John 3.16, I think about Henry, I can't get bogged down. I'm going somewhere else. I think about Henry Morehouse. Henry Morehouse was a young preacher during D.L. Moody's time. And he met D.L. Moody while he was preaching in London. And he desired to preach in Moody's church. Moody said, if you ever are in my area, you stop by. Well, he lived in Chicago, amen. He didn't think a young man would ever show up. One day, Moody got a message that says, I, from Henry Morehouse, he says, I'm coming by. Yeah. And, uh, and so Moody, he, he was going away for a meeting. He told his deacons, he said, this young man is coming to preach. And he said, I don't really know anything about him. He said, if he makes too big of a mess, he said, I'll clean it up after I, when I come back. So Moody left and Henry Morehouse came to his church and preached. And, and uh, he preached on John 3, 16. Yeah, and David, God moved and they broke out in the meeting. And went several nights, and Moody came back and asked his wife. He said, "How?" He said, "How did the young man do?" And she said, "Come and hear him for yourself." Yeah. Said he's still preaching. And on a Friday night, D.L. Moody came to the church, and how Henry Morehouse got up and he said, "I've been trying." He preached on John three sixteen every single night, wow. and he said, "I've been trying to tell you how much God loves you." Yeah. And he said, "Every single night, I've preached on John three sixteen, trying to tell you how much God yeah. loves you." He said, "If we could somehow, we could pull Jacob's ladder down from heaven and climb up into heaven and ask Gabriel, could you tell us how much God loves sinners?" He said, "He could do no better than for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." Can I tell you what heaven thinks of sinners? The value of a soul is testified to you and I at Calvary. Amen. Amen, friend. Amen. Well, I thought about how, what, what, what's, what's, what's the soul worth in heaven. Well, let's ask the Father. Let's ask the, let's ask the Son. Yeah. Amen. What would Jesus say? I like the old song, don't you? Jesus loves me, this I know. Yeah. For the Bible tells me so. As a matter of fact, that's what Jesus told them disciples in John 15 and verse number 9. He said, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Amen. Hebrews 2, 12 and 2, the Bible said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Hey, we know what the Father thinks, but what does the Son think? 
I tell you, he thought enough from you for he thought enough of you and I. He thought enough of every sinner that's ever been born in this world. How to leave the portals of glory and to come to sin to this sinful world and march up Galgotha's hill and lay down his life as a ransom for all. Amen. What's heaven? What's a soul worth to heaven? Amen. Everything. Amen. Amen. But I want to ask this question this morning. What is a soul worth in hell? What is a soul worth in heaven? But what is a soul worth in here? Amen. We know what it's worth. In heaven, we know what the... The, 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 the emphasis, the price that God puts. But what is a soul worth to you? Amen. What is the price that you and I will put? Because again, we want to put a price tag on everything. We want to put a value on everything. Right. What is a soul worth to Concord Baptist Church? Amen. Can I say this this morning? Is a soul worth enough for you to pray? Amen. You know, I was studying here the other day on the book of Colossians, and Paul talks about how he prayed for that church. And he gives that, that, length, uh, that list of uh, uh, things that he's praying about for that church. And it's what stood out to me. Every one of them are spiritual things. Amen. In other words, he didn't ask God to give them a nice building. Right. He didn't ask God to, to heal their, their sick in the church. Right. Are you hearing me? Yeah. He was spiritual. He, he focused on spiritual things. Now, now listen, there's nothing wrong with those things. You understand that. But I'm afraid that we focus too much on those things. Right. I mean, we come into church and we take prayer requests, and it's all about this one having a sickness, or this one's, this uh, this is having surgery, or this one's got this going on. Right. When's the last time we stood up with tears in our eyes and said, "Oh, so and so down there's going to hell, and they need God, and would you pray that God, the Holy Ghost, would convict them of their sin and save them?" By the grace of God, would we what, do we do we value a soul enough to pray? Jesus said it this way: Matthew's Gospel, "Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that it send forth laborers into the field." Amen. Pray, Amen. That's an investment in to souls, and when we pray for them, Amen. Can I ask you something? How much time do you and I spend weekly praying for sin? Amen. How, how, how much time do you and I spend? Oh, Lord, help me. Oh, I'm telling you, listen, we live in a, in, in a God, and we live in a Bible belt. Right. Now, listen, there's a church on every corner, right. and sometimes two, amen, in Yancey County. Somebody help me. Yeah. But I'm telling you, you get out of this place. When you start traveling the world, you'll find that there's town and city after city where there's no gospel witness, where people have never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. We were in Scotland last year. I preached a tent meeting in Scotland. What time it, Lord help me, Jesus. We preached a tent meeting in Scotland last year. And uh, one Thursday night, at the end of service, as a man came forward, 
What I didn't know was what he did not, he, he was not there for the preaching. He was not there for the invitation. He came up completely after the service was finished. And he walked up and he came, somebody said, this man needs to talk to you. And he comes to the front of the tent. And when he came up to him, I smelled alcohol on his breath. I mean, real strong. He, he, uh, evidently, he had been drinking very heavily. And I said, uh, what can I do for you? He said, I don't know. I said, well, why did you come forward? He said, I don't know. Yeah. I said, why are you here? He said, I don't know. And I thought, well, I don't either. Amen. And then I said, uh, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And this man was probably in his late 50s, early 60s. And he said, well, he said, uh, he said, uh, he said, I've been a drunkard my whole life. He said, my mama's an alcoholic. Matter of fact, she's in the nursing home and she's been an alcoholic my whole life. That's all I ever remember. He said, I picked up that mantle, so to speak. And he said, I, I've been a, a drunk my whole life. He said, I've lost everything. He said, I've, I've, I've got kids, but th- those relationships are destroyed. And he kept going on and on how drinking and alcohol had wrecked and ruined his life. And he said, I've been to rehabs. He said, I've tried medication. He said, I've tried everything. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. He said, I've tried everything the world has to offer. And he said, nothing or nobody can help me. And he said, I live across the road. He said, I've been seeing this tent every night. And the sign above the tent said, Jesus saves. And he said, something kept telling me I could get some help over here. And he said, so I'm just looking for some help. (laughs) I said, will you come to the right place? And I said, what do you know about Jesus? He said, nothing. And I said, well, I said, "Uh, do you realize that God created the world? He said, never really thought about it. He said, never believed in God. And I said, well, he did. He created the world. Formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, went through the creation of man, the fall of man. He had never heard it before. How about that? Talked about the fall of man. I come to the, the, the gospel and talked about the virgin birth of Christ. Jesus was born of a virgin. He stopped me. He said, you mean his mother was a virgin? I said, absolutely. <laughs> and I said, he lived a perfect life. Yeah. Never committed one sin. Neither was any guile found in his mouth. He was holy and harmless and undefiled, separate from sinners. And I said, he went to the cross and died for your sin and for my sin. Not for his sin, because he knew no sin. He stopped me and he said, you mean he never sinned? I said, not one time. And I said, but he died for your sin and was buried and rose again the third day and ascended to the Father and sat down at the right hand of God. And now because of that, if you come to him, he'll save you and deliver you from condemnation. Amen. That man was drinking heavily that night. And I said, now you go home and think about it. Now I don't know how much he, in my mind I'm thinking, I don't know how much he got of that, how much he's going to remember that in the morning, or if I'll ever see him again. But you hear me, there's power in the gospel. Yeah. Oh, yeah, friend. Especially somebody ain't never heard it before. Especially somebody ain't hardened to it. And uh, listen, that next night, that man came, came for the service, sent in the service. He came forward and talked to me for a little while after church. And I said, we're having service on the tent again Sunday. 
He said, I'll be back. He'd come back Sunday afternoon and uh, ask a few questions, set for the service, and, and uh, come back on Monday. And he said, Preacher, I've not been drinking. He said, I've tried to uh, lay off the alcohol of the day. And he said, I've not been drinking. Yeah. I preached that night on a Monday night. He came forward after the service and he, he come up to me and asked me this question. He said, if I get saved and, and then I sin, what happens? And I begin to try to answer his question through the scripture, you know. And uh, there's a young man that was with me. And he said, let's get him an altar. And I said, no, no. No, no. I said, he ain't ready yet. Yeah. And I looked at him. I said, uh, I said, you need to think about it a little more, don't you? And he said, oh, yeah. Oh, Lord, I'm about to run. <laughs> he said, you need to think about it a little more, don't you? And he said, oh, yeah. And he went home. And Tuesday night, he came back about 15 minutes before church. Right. He pulled the pastor aside and he said, Preacher, he said, my mom is in the nurse's home and it called in the family today. She's dying. And he said, Mom ain't never, she said, she don't know God. Yeah. And said, Preacher, my mama dies. She's going to go to hell. And said, Would you pray that God will wake her up? And somebody tell her about Jesus. <laughs> Here's a man ain't even saved. Yeah. Yeah. He's not even saved yet. Right. And he's wanting somebody to tell his mama about Jesus. Right. I looked at that preacher and I said, that man's going to get saved tonight. And I said, when he did, does, I'm going to run out of the tent. Amen. Yeah. I'm not, now I preach on John 3, you must be born again and give an invitation. And he ran to the altar and got born again by the grace of God. And after service, he came up to me and hugged my neck. He said, I love you. He said, thank you for coming over here. And he said, if I don't see you no more down here, I'll see you on the other side. I'm telling you, thank God do you value a soul enough to pray for. Lord, I got to hurry. Amen. Do you value a soul enough to pray? Do you value a soul, a soul enough to plead? What do you mean? I mean, tell them about it. Amen. Tell others about the Lord Jesus. Amen. See, we've got this mindset that, well, I don't want, I don't want to push them away. Well, where are you going to push them to? Already going to hell. So I don't want to offend them. Can I tell you the gospel's offensive? The gospel says you're a sinner. The gospel says you're guilty. The gospel says you can't save yourself. The gospel says you can't get to heaven on your own. The gospel says there's only one way, and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel alone is offensive. And I'm telling you what society needs. They need to be offended by the gospel. Amen. But do you care enough about them to plead with them? But I'm not. I'm, I'm done. This, I preached all that to get to this point. What's a soul worth in here? Amen. Is it worth enough for you to participate? Amen. You say, well, how do I participate in seeing the soul? Well, you can pray. You can plead. I've done mention that. But I'll tell you how else you can participate. Yeah. Amen. And they pass that offering plate and say, this is our mission offering. Amen. Yeah. You can give so others can go right. and tell people about Jesus. Yeah. There's no price on that. Right. That old boy, that old man that got saved over in Scotland. Somebody said, how much that trip cost you? I don't know, but every, listen, every dime I spent on it was worth it. Right. It was worth every dime. Yeah. It was worth every mile. It was worth every sacrifice for that man to get saved by the grace of God. Right. Well, some of us won't even give to missions. 
Amen. Amen. Listen, we think, well, missions is all about money. No. Oh, it's all about souls. Amen. Let me think about it. We know this in the scripture, there's three types of offering. There's a tithe, a free will offering, and then there's the mission offering. You should tithe. Amen. That's a tenth of your income. I don't have time to deal with that. A free will offering is just taking up an offering. Amen. Exodus 35, there's a good example of that. Then there's the mission offering. And Paul told the church of Philippi this. He said, no church communicating with me is concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. No church helped me. No church took care of me financially, but you. He said, not that I desire fruit, but that I desire, or not that I desire fun, but I desire fruit that will bound to your account. Do you realize there's a principle in the scripture that every time you support a missionary, and that missionary wins a soul to the Lord Jesus, that's fruit that abounds to your account. Amen. And I, I studied on that, I studied on that, brother, Pastor Boone, some time ago, and I thought about that church of Philippi. How much fruit is still yeah. abounding <laughs> to their account? How about that? Every time somebody gets saved out of the Pauline epistles from the preaching, Every time, every time, listen, that man of God opens a Bible up to Romans 10, 13. That said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's fruit that abounds to the church of Philippi's again. Amen. See, this thing ain't about, it's about laying up treasures. Amen. And I could preach, listen. I, I, we could go to Corinthians and I could talk about the mission offering in detail. But if you're not willing to give, amen. You're right. If you're just not willing to give to missions, what do you, let me ask you, what is a soul worth to you? Worth everything to God. No price on it. But what's it worth to us? See, we live our life. I'm talking about money. Oftentimes, like the souls of men and women, boys and girls, are not important. You're right. But they are. We gripe about the sin they're living in, but can I tell you that, that sinners will do what sinners will do. Right. You know what the world needs? It's not, listen, it's not another administration. It's the gospel. You're right. Amen. Amen. Right. It's what they need, friend. They need the gospel. Somebody's got to go, but somebody's got to give. What's the, what's the soul worth to you? Let's bow our head for a word of prayer. I'm going to pray. Maybe the Lord's touched your heart. You may be here and you're not saved. I'll tell you, it'd be a good morning to get in. It'd be a good morning, friend, to get your sin forgiven. And get, just be just like that old man in Scotland that got born again by the grace of God. Are you saved today? Are you saved? Listen, if you're saved and you know that and you have eternal life, can I ask you what you're doing to see to it that others have eternal life? How much are you praying? How much are you pleading? And how much are you participating? All of that will tell us how value a soul is to you and I.
I'll tell you what we ought to do. Some of us ought to come and get around this altar and say, Lord, would you help me? Lord, would you help me to be more involved? God, would you help me to be more concerned about the souls of men, women, boys, and girls? God, would you help me to give more? God, would you help me to pray more for people going to hell? Can I remind you this morning, if your family is not saved, they have a soul that's going to live forever. <laughs> oh, God, help us. What's it going to take for you and I to get serious about sinners? That's what missions is about. It's not about money. It's about people. It's about sinners going to hell. You say, we've not given enough. There's no value. There's no price you can put on it. Lord, help us this morning. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray you'd help us. God, I pray you'd move on our hearts today. God, I pray you'd awaken us to the reality. Oh, God, I pray in Jesus' name. God, this is my prayer this morning. That a soul would be as valuable to me as it is to you. Lord, I pray you'd do that in my heart. I want to look at people the way you look at them. I want to be concerned about them the way you're concerned about them. And I want to invest in them the way you've invested in us. Lord, help me, God, I pray. Lord, help these around the altar this morning. God, I pray you'd touch our hearts. God, if there's one lost, I pray you'd save them. And God, I know this, I know you will if they'll come to you. And I pray they'll do that today. In the eye of the will of God, meet the need. Help your people now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand, preacher. You come this morning. Hey, some praying. You need to pray. You mind the Lord. You mind the Holy Ghost today. God's touched your heart. My, my, what a message. My, my, what a message. Trey, you and Gabe come, and we're going to give out these faith promise pledges. And I hope I've got enough of, i got two different kinds, but I want to give these out first. And I want every family to get one, okay? And uh, no place for your name on it. And uh, we'll, we're going to turn these back in next Sunday. And I want you, some of you will just throw it in your Bible and you're not thinking another thing about it. But